Hello guys, today is Tuesday, December 15th. We're just 10 days away from Christmas. We are a couple of weeks, just two, away from the new year. And this is going to be what I like to call my super long and cozy podcast. So um, you'll probably be able to tell for the, from the length of time that's going to be on this podcast, I'm going to go for a long time um, because I am going to answer a lot of questions. Um, I'm also going to infuse what I've been doing this year. Um, this year was... One of my busiest ever, um, I committed at the top of 2015 that I was going to go um, as hard as I possibly could. So uh, my journey has been that 2014 was sort of my year of rest. I had spent most of my life, quote unquote, grinding, going really hard. And the year of 2014 was to take as many breaks as I could. And whenever I found a window, I took a break. And I said, you know, I'll look back on my life and say, remember the year you took 15 vacations? Um, and that's what I did. So I took a ton of vacations in 2014. I went to Paris twice, Amsterdam twice, um, Mexico about four or five times. You always know that's my favorite place. Uh, I just took a break. And so after uh, the year of the break, this year was like my year of going hard. And I didn't even realize it until Delta sent me an email saying that I had achieved platinum status, how much I have flown. Like I just got up and I went. And I know that um, I also started this whole My Taught You website. And in my mind, I was like, I'm going to do more podcasts. I'm going to do more of this. But I didn't realize um, in expanding sort of my bread and butter business, Curlbox, uh, that this business, which is my labor of love, would sort of suffer a little bit. But I hope that I, like every chance that I got to podcast, I did. And the This Is My Year journal was a truly like pour out of my heart. And so for those of you that aren't familiar with the two journals that are out, the first Learn More and Earn More journal is me teaching everyone my sort of listing and staying organized method. Um, I believe that it works. I've been doing this method my entire professional life. Um, so that is what that journal teaches. The second journal, which is the one that is so, I can't believe how fast that one sold out. That one is on back order until January 19th. What does that mean? That means that you can buy it today. If I were you, I would get it because we are taking orders on the next batch. They will be in on the 17th. We will ship them out on the 19th. You will have them before the new year. But what that, the This Is My Year journal is I'm teaching you how I prepare for every year, which is something that I do. I've done it my entire professional life. And so how I sort of get my life organized uh, to begin the new year. So that is what the This Is My Year journal is all about. That ships on the 19th. If you want to order it, it's mytachi.com. I'm not sure what the site says. So many times people write me. I don't know if it says sold out or it may say sold out, but you can still keep clicking through to order it. Just go ahead and read that text. That's what it says. Um, so go ahead and get your coffee, get your glass of wine. I am going to answer a lot of questions that came through to my website. And um, like I said, also sort of infuse what I've been doing this year. Um, I took my last business flight of the year this Saturday. I came back from Philly. I went to the Fit Girl Fresh Weekend um, with Za of uh, FBF Fitness. Is it FBF Fitness? Yeah, FBF Fitness. She's on Instagram at F is in Frank, B is in boy, F is in Frank Fitness. I just love what she's got going on over there. Um, she had a really wonderful, empowering um, 
women's or girls weekend that she does. And I mean, I just can't imagine. It's just, I'm always so moved at people who feel compelled to do things, um, for young women and for young and bring things to young women that they may not necessarily get on their own. And then I'm just moved by the people who make the effort to get out there, um, and make some changes in their life. So that was really exciting. First time to Philly, which was crazy. Um, but without further ado, I am going to get into this podcast, um, and it's covering everything from reinventing yourself, uh, what you do on social media if you have a business, um, some stuff about management, let me see, uh, what to do when you feel overwhelmed, even someone asked about my favorite wine selections, um, and new jobs, irritating coworkers, uh, recent college grads, how to make friends, living fearlessly, um, being a team player, women supporting women, outgrowing your city. So it's kind of a, um, it is a hodgepodge of questions. Feel free to fast forward where, um, it doesn't fit you, but like I said, let's get busy. Um, first question, my leak, have you ever had to reinvent yourself? I desperately want to start over. It's challenging because of my finances. I've been unemployed three times in the last four years, which has made me severely broke. I want to move and rebuild. I'm stuck, frustrated, and unhappy. Um, uh, I don't know if this is... I have reinvented myself, and I think that um, that is something that is important that people can do. But I've got this up on my word, and I'm actually going to separate these questions because I really don't think that this is the same question. So um, I think that there does come a point in your life when you can sort of reinvent yourself. What does that mean? I think it's like assessing where you are in your life and saying sort of like, who do I want to be and sort of who do I want to be perceived as and what sort of work am I going to do to be more aligned with that quote unquote person. And that is something that I struggled with probably, I would say like two years ago. Um, I had become, if you follow me for years, like I've always been this sort of like positive, stand up for yourself, don't take any mess kind of person, but I just could not get that to translate in my romantic life. Like I just kept feeling like, how can I be this person but yet I'm dealing with some straight up BS and losers when it comes to my romantic life. And that sort of personal reinvention had to come from me being who I said I was. And that was really what I kept saying to myself is like, my lead, what you're doing isn't aligned with who you are or the message that you put out. And so I had to really work hard to do that. And so I think if you think about like sort of, that was like a personal reinvention, but if you think about a professional reinvention, um, maybe it's you changing careers and you being more aligned with who it is that you really want to be and sort of um, putting that stuff out there. So if you have some hobbies, working on making that something that you do more professionally, similar to what I have done with my Tachi. So Curlbox and my job at Curlbox, because it is a job, um, that's my day to day. That's my every day. But on the side, I kind of have started this, my Tachi business, which is a reinvention, if you will, or just an added bonus of like, I know that people know that I run a business, but I also do this and let me create a website. Let me create 
um, a podcast. Let me create some things to show you um, what I can do. So that's what reinvention is. But when you tell me about your finances, when you tell me how many times you've been unemployed and the fact that you're broke, that's a different story. And so when you say you've been unemployed, my first question to you is, did you quit or did you get fired? Because that it lets me know a couple of things. If you've got fired uh, in the last three times or you've gotten downsized, then that speaks to me. That tells me something about um, the way you're working. And some people will probably say that I'm not right about this and you know I'm fine with that. But I think that when you get let go from that many jobs, um, there's just something that you're not doing. You know, and the something that you're not doing could be the sheer fact that you're simply not interested in what you're doing or you don't like what you're doing. A lot of times when you don't like your job, you don't do a good job. And when it's time to cut people, those are the people that get cut first. When you're really amazing, you likely won't get downsized, you know, unless you work in one of these big, big, big companies where they really got to take the ax, um, you won't get cut. But um depending on whether or not you got let go or you left. So if you left, then that to me tells me how important your future is to you. You know, you're being unemployed these three times. If you're walking away from these jobs, if you're changing these jobs without a plan, um, you've got to get more strategic about how you're going to jump, you know? And so I, listen, I'm all for, you know, doing things your own way and getting out here and being your own woman, but you also have to take care of yourself. And so when you aren't, when you don't have the ability to take care of yourself, you do become severely broke. And in being severely broke, you become stuck, frustrated, and unhappy. Um, my recommend recommendation to you is to go find a job that makes you happy regardless of what it pays. Okay. So if you love babysitting, go babysit. If you love children, go babysit. If you like making smoothies, go work at a smoothie shack. If you really love something, go find a job that makes you happy regardless of what it pays. And, you know, start covering your, start covering your low bills. You will find that when you're happy, you're making better decisions and you will eventually find something better or you will grow and promote at this small place. So, you know, maybe you start off as a babysitter and then from there you work at a school. Like that's just kind of where you, how you have to do that. So I hope that that helps. Um, and I don't want to hang on that for too long, but if you are struggling and suffering from something like that, go ahead and hop on my page, mytachi.com, mytachi.com. There's a tab that says, ask me anything. Go ahead and ask me about that and try to be as detailed as you can. You can't be super long, but try to get really detailed so that I can continue to help with that topic. Um, hi, my leak. I have a business page on Instagram. Many of the social media gurus suggest not show anything not involving your brand. I often thought people also want to get to know you as well without overdoing it. Other interests, passions, family, etc. What are your thoughts? Um, depends on what your business is. So if your business is a product, I think that you should focus on the product. Um, I think that you should let that business page live as a product and focus on the products and your customer using the products. Um, if your business is a service, I think that it is important for you to share sort of like what who you are as a person because a service is attached to you and so it's kind of important to see who you are. Um, I that's kind of like my suggestion. You know, there's no there's really no right way to do this. Um, so 
And what I just said, I'm pretty sure that there are people successfully doing both. Like Brian Atwood has shoes, but it's also his personal Instagram because his name is Brian Atwood. His shoes is Brian. His shoes are Brian Atwood, and he has a perfect mix of both. So I think it just depends. Um, and typically, you'll find, you know, if people are loving it and commenting and sharing, that you know that what you're doing is working. So I wouldn't overthink the whole social media thing. I think people are trying so hard that it, it's losing what it was meant to be, authentic. I'm trying to say authenticity and authentic. It's, a, it's supposed to be authentic. So um, do that. Uh, number three. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry if you can hear in the background. I don't know what they're doing in my neighborhood, but I know it's not a trash day. I don't know if they're like putting concrete down, but my goodness, um, I'm going to continue. Um, number three, I have been an editor for free turn manager for a blog for almost a year in which no communication about direction of the blog is discussed by the founder. We have new interns join and new managers, but I always find out through social media, is it time for me to leave or stay and learn? You always know that I say the answer is in the question. You know what to do. You just ask me what you should you leave that it's like it's time for you to leave because you've been an editor for free for a year. If you haven't earned your uh keep at this point, if you haven't worked your way up to a point where somebody feels like you are worthy of pay by now, um, it's definitely time to move on. I think that like I am all for doing some things for free, but you even you have to set a limit with that. Um, and think about, okay, if I'm going to work for free, <clears throat> I'm going to do it for X amount of time. And then after a certain point, you have to, after a certain point, you have to have like a cutoff because what's happening is what should happen is just the level of respect is that you've kind of just been going with the flow, um, for a year and that's, uh, too much time to work for free in my opinion. Um, because, like if somebody is working for me, let's just say they're interning, I don't do any free work, so I will pay you. But after a certain amount of months, I'm like, either I want to keep you. And if I want to keep you, I make an offer. And if I don't, I may just let you linger. And so that sounds like what someone is doing is sort of just letting you linger. And you have all these new people coming on. Um, I don't even want to discuss it because I don't even want to, you know, get beat up this founder too much, but I don't like it. So I'm saying that you should leave. And I typically don't even like giving that kind of advice, but I'm just not into this. And so, um, start your own blog. You, if you've got the experience or go to some, another place that you feel is bigger and larger that you can learn from, because what exactly are you staying and learning, um, at this point besides, that you can do free work, you know? So go to, go, if you want to give away your time, go find another place or, you know, a place that has higher numbers or that you can get more experience if that's what you're into. So if you want to go deeper with that, you know what, go to my page, send me a note and we'll continue. Next question. Um, my league, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Um, it is appreciated and your success is, is inspiring. Thank you guys so much. I don't really fully read these questions. So um, <laughs> I'm doing this all off the cuff. Um, how do you continue to move forward when you feel overwhelmed? I have so much work to do, so many tasks to complete, and the list gives me anxiety and paralyzes me into inaction so nothing gets done. Help. Oh gosh, I totally, um, know what you mean. Um, thank you, thank you again for the kind words. Um, I, I have felt 
overwhelmed. First of all, I'm one of those weird aliens that really enjoys being like sort of like swamped and smothered. I don't know what it is, but I sort of get great joy from climbing out from all this stuff. Um, almost, I think that I probably put a ton of stuff on my plate just to see how much I can actually get done. But there have been moments when I have felt completely overwhelmed. And when I feel overwhelmed, um, I try to just stop and take a breather. And maybe that's getting a 50 minute massage. Maybe that's just taking a long bath. And then once I do that and kind of just calm down and clear my mind, I will get out my journal um, or my notebook and I'll just start sort of listing out the steps. Like what are the big things that are in front of me and what are some steps that I need to take? And a lot of times that step that you need to take is an uncomfortable step. It's an uncomfortable call. I need to call so-and-so. I need to email so-and-so and tell them that what I said uh, was happening isn't happening anymore, or I need to, you know, do this or do that. And so what's giving you anxiety is the fact that you have to probably do one or more things that make you uncomfortable. And so sometimes I just pick two. Uh, I know that I can't do them all that day. So I may take two things that I'm going to do. Um, I've shared this tip before when I have to call someone and I'm really nervous. I don't really struggle with that anymore. But when I used to be, I would purposely call when I knew they weren't there. So I call sort of like 7.30 or 8 and just, hey, so-and-so, it's my leak. Um, sorry, I missed you. Uh, apologize for calling so late. My day kind of got hung up in the office today, but I wanted to. And then I'll just go ahead and blab out the message. Um, da, 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 da. Whenever you get a chance, give me a call back. 404, you got it. Um, and then to make sure that I didn't rely just on that voicemail, I would back it up with an email and just the email would say, um, hey, so-and-so, I left a message in your office today, um, kind of got hung up, apologize for calling so late, um, but wanted to X, Y, Z. So sometimes you just got to figure out a way to, um, to knock out those uncomfortable things, but maybe you limit how many you do a day and give yourself like a cutoff. Like I'm going to have it all done by Friday, like no matter what. And sometimes I'll just say, screw it and do it all at once. Um, but that's what's got you overwhelmed because you're doing things that make you uncomfortable, but that's really good because that means you're growing. If it feels uncomfortable, that means you're growing. Um, but you don't want to sit there and be paralyzed because no, you are correct. Nothing is getting done. Um, but commit to doing one thing every day or five things every day, no matter how hard they are. Um, and let me know how that's working out for you. Um, this is a break in the question. Um, my leak, can you share your favorite wine selections, including brands and type of wine? I need a few suggestions. Um, so believe it or not, when I was younger, 21, um, legal drinking age in the States, I was not really a huge fan of like wine at all. Um, I had an internship at Enterprise Rent-A-Car at the corporate office and my boss took us wine tasting and I remember thinking like, oh my God, this stuff is so gross. How do people drink it? And, um, but I did at the time, the one thing that I did like was Riesling. So I started off with Rieslings. Um, and that's just like a simple place to, to go. I don't really drink as many Rieslings anymore in the summertime. I will. I'm, I sadly don't like sweet wines anymore. Um, after 
we went wine tasting in Sonoma. I did a couple more sort of like wine tasting things. And then I just went to so many business events and business dinners um, as a young professional that served wine that I eventually started to like develop a palate for it. So I like, I pretty much like almost all wines. When it comes to red, uh, I really enjoy Pinot Noirs. Um, you know, like a, that's a lighter body red sort of in the summer, but even in the winter, I just had a, a Pinot over dinner, uh, two nights ago. Um, I love Pinots from Oregon. Um, when it comes to other reds, I do like a Cabernet. I do like a Shiraz. I don't even really know how you say Shiraz. Is it Shiraz? It's like S-Y-R-A-H and then S-H-R-A-Z, Shiraz and Shiraz, whatever it is. I'm like, yeah, I'll take that. Um, I, I like those because they are like heartier. Um, I enjoy Malbec from time to time. Um, my boo has been into French wine. He is obsessed with French wine. So everything he wants, French wine, French wine. I don't know why he read it. He forwarded me an article about this one restaurant that has built their whole menu around the food going well with French wine. So that's all he talks about. So I've been having a lot of French wine at home lately. Um, in terms of white, uh, I, I like, um, I'm more of a, what is that? Sauvignon Blanc. Um, I love Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc. She's got this crazy, it has this crazy bite to it. And so I really enjoy like a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Anything, any Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand just tickles my fancy. Um, when it comes to rosé wines, I just like a sort of drier, crisper rosé from Provence. Um, any rosé from Provence tickles my fancy. Um, I love my champagne. Uh, I've had tons of champagne. I've had super fancy, not so fancy, but Veuve Clicquot continues to bring me joy. Veuve Clicquot Rosé is my favorite bottle of champagne of all time. And so that remains. Um, hope that helps. Maybe I'll do a, I'm doing some sort of like blogging on my Medium account. So medium.com backslash at my leak. And maybe I'll just do a full on um, favorite wine blog for you. Um, so stay tuned for that. Next question. Um, hey, my leak, I started a new job three months ago and my male coworker keeps tapping his pen on the desk and humming songs, distracting my work. My boss stated there's no other cubicle to move me. How do I deal with a frustrated coworker? Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to him, but I would just talk to him about that and say, you know, sometimes this is going to sound really crazy, but people are not aware of the things that they do and how those things like irritate people. So, um, my old next door neighbor, she has this like shaking thing. And when she sits and talks to you, her leg is like shaking feverishly. And it's like, oh my God, that makes me nervous. And so, um, some, you know, I just will say it. So first thing, have a conversation with him, let him know that it's annoying, um, Number two, if you can wear headphones, this will be the one time that I would just say, put some headphones in. If your boss stated that there's nowhere for you to move, tell her or him that, you know, you need to wear your headphones because you don't want to be distracted and you want to stay focused. Like if she or he can't move you, then they have to be down with some alternatives so that you can stay focused. Next question. I will be graduating in the spring of 2016 with a bachelor's in communications and fashion. Kudos to you, girlfriend. And I'm confused about my next move in life. I'm trying to decide whether or not to travel, um, teach English abroad, or start my career. My concern is explaining the gap in my resume to employers. Do you have any advice? Um, I do. I think that you should do 
what's tugging at your heart the most, even if you're not sure how you're going to do it, if that makes sense. Um, what I'm kind of hearing is that you want to travel um, abroad and that is something that I think will help you professionally. Um, I think that it won't be difficult for you to explain what you did um, if you continue to do things in the field while you're there. So if you want to use the teaching English as a way to travel, um, do that, but still make sure that you, um, maybe you intern with some fashion houses or designers, or you take a part-time job in a luxury boutique, um, that you go to all the fashion museums, that you dive into the culture, um, wherever it is that you go, because that's going to sort of show them that you travel with a purpose and a plan, you know, um, maybe you keep a blog while you're away and while you're teaching English at night, you're using that blog to sort of, sort of show the local fashions and what you're learning and maybe interview some people so that when your employer asks what you did for that year or two while you were abroad, you can basically send them a link to your blog and say, this is what I this is what I learned while I was gone within the field. So um, I think so many people are so worried that they've got to have this consistency in their resume. Um, and you don't really have to have it if you have some like concrete things that you can show what you were doing in the absence, you know, or tell them why you did it. It's like where we are today, I think is all about like full living. Um, and I think that companies are open for people to have these fuller lives and you bring more to the table when you have more experience. And so I think that it is such a wonderful idea for you to do that. And you are going to be, um, more enriched and you may find on this year of travel that maybe you don't even want to do fashion anymore maybe you get this different calling and so i just say go where your heart is tugging you even if you don't really know how you're gonna do it but pursue that because happiness is what's going to lead to your success not worrying about explaining this and explaining that but just the full-on following the call and the tug on your heart Okay. Next question. How did you make friends when moving to Atlanta? I'm having a hard time filing, finding quality people to befriend. Um, I, um, my friends from where I came from sort of introduced me to friends here. So that's kind of how it worked for me. Um, I used to work with a friend in LA. My friend who I work with in my company in LA moved to New York and was working for the NBA. My friend who worked for the NBA met a girl um, at the All-Star Weekend because they who worked for TNT, which is based in Atlanta. So my friend's like, my friend Ayana was like, oh my God, I met the coolest girl who works. She also worked in sports with her. She's at TNT. You have to meet her. Her name's Taria. And she connected Taria and I over email. Taria and I went and had lunch or we had drinks or something and we hit it off. And that was maybe, I've been in Atlanta for seven years. So we could just say summer, six, six years ago, I've been friends with her. And that's kind of how things have gone. People in other places that I knew connected me with the people that I know now. My friend Nikki 
who now lives in LA, one of my former colleagues, which is so crazy, this guy, Matt, Matt Meyerson, who was like the skateboard guy in my office um, in LA, connected me with Nikki, um, who's my girlfriend. She was my girlfriend here until she moved to LA just this year. So um, different people connected me with their friends or people that they thought that I should be friends with. And that's sort of how I built up my network. Um, and that's kind of how it goes. Uh, I travel a lot. So, um, you know, my neighbors, my former neighbors are my friends. Um, that's how I went about meeting, making friends, um, in Atlanta. Good luck. Uh, next question. Hi, my league. I know your motto is to live, live fearlessly, but I've recently been feeling scared with a degree in graphic design um, that I'll get left behind financially in comparison to my peers, doctors, dentists, lawyers. My question is, are we all destined for success or is it up to an individual of what success is? Also, how much does God, if at all, play in your life? I'm asking in terms of living in the purpose you were created to in order to live a fulfilled life. Thank you. This was a a really good question. And this is a great sort of like middle of the podcast question, because I think that uh, everybody can use this. Um, I got my degree is in consumer and family science with an emphasis on um, fashion. So clothing and textiles. So basically my degree is in fashion and I was an honor student. Most of my friends, my close girl, like my closest childhood friend is, um, getting married next month. She has her PhD. She got it at 25. She works, she has worked, you know, with doctors. She's a pediatric pharmacologist. She, um, has been doing that for over a decade. Um, and I have a lot of friends, anesthesiologists. I have a lot of friends who are very successful sort of doing their thing. And, my success didn't come along as quick as everyone else's people who went to school for those sort of things. And so I think the biggest lesson or the biggest hurdle for you is going to not is going to be to not compare yourself to those people. Some of those people are doing following those careers because they want to make money quickly. Some of those people are following those careers because they have committed to their families. And some of those people are truly passionate about what they're doing. Um, what happens with us who are a bit more creative is that it takes us a little bit longer to, um, become masters of our craft for starters. And then once we become masters of our craft to then grow professionally. So I didn't hit as a successful professional, um, until I was 32, Um, but I still felt successful before that because I was able to pay all my bills doing what I love. So when you talk about, is it up to the individual? It definitely is up to the individual because success for me was, can I have the kind of freedom that I want in my life, which was basically, um, not having to report to an office every single day. Um, but doing work that I felt passionate about, that I really loved, um, and being able to pay my bills. I had a car, I had my place. Like I have been able to afford to live on my own since I graduated college. Um, I've had apartments, I've had houses, all this stuff I've did on my own. So I was definitely a success. Um, when you ask how much does God, if at all, play in my life, um, a lot of people ask me about my religion and they ask me about my faith. And it is a topic that I have avoided because 
I am not a fan of the overly religious. Um, I, some of it is because I, I struggle with, um, how those that sort of are overly religious treat others at times. So every now and then, um, if I get some like horrible comments on Instagram or something like that, I'll go and I'll click through to the person's Instagram and I'll see like, they will have said the most awful thing, but in their bio is like, God first, Jesus is my heart. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness. And so religion and that sort of stuff, faith to me is really about how you're living, you know? So, um, what I will say is that, um, I have always felt guided by a God in my life. Um, I have always felt this sort of passion, this burning passion in my heart. And I didn't know what that was. And so I, that had to be God to me. Um, because I was like, who or how do these things that I really want to do so bad, how do these things even get on my heart? And the way that I felt like if, if I viewed my passions or these tugs that those tugs as God truly being faithful is to honor the call. Right. So I feel like that's sort of where my religion is, is it's based in anything that's placed in my heart didn't come from me. But the way that I show that I'm faithful to God is to is to follow that passion, to follow that burn, because I feel like that's how God communicates with us is kind of like through our guts. Um, so I've had some rough points in my life. And when I have been at my lowest is when I it seems like is when it's like God brings us to our, our knees to talk to us. Right. And so I, I would be remiss if I tried to act like I didn't have that faith in that. I don't believe in that. Um, because I do, it's just not something that I like to share all the time because it is one of the most intimate relationships that I have and that most people will have. Um, and I do feel that it is my faith in terms of what I believe to be my religion and is what has led to me sort of knowing what my purpose is. Um, it helps me to live more fulfilled is that like when I, I had this tug on my gut to leave LA and it was just like my mom's crying, she doesn't want me to go, but it was just this thing of like, I feel like I have to do this. And when I got to Atlanta, uh, the original plan of moving didn't work out, but then, uh, I was in an even lower moment where I really was just, you know, really, uh, chatting with God, like just heavy on the hotline. And that's when I kind of got the, the call to like, to do this work that I'm doing, like to do all the work that I'm doing. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but that's sort of what faith is, is that all you have to do is take the step. And that's the hardest part. And the rest of it just comes together. So, um, sorry to be like super deep about that, but like, that's how I feel. That's how I feel about it. And so if anybody is, uh, has been curious, that is sort of how I roll. Um, and don't, don't, uh, don't debate me on that. Don't, don't message me about, uh, your opinions on, um, religion, um, or like how anybody else chooses to worship or their faith, because I'm not in, I'm totally not up for that. Um, I don't, I think it's, that's something that's super personal. And I think that if you have found yourself 
sort of minding other people's business about that, I encourage you to stop. So thank you. Next question. Um, hi, my week. I would love your advice on how to be a team player in business while still being competitive. Uh, podcast, Snapchat. Let me know if I need to be more specific. Um, I think that a lot of people struggle with that. It's like you come into an office or you come into um, an environment and you want to show that you are the baddest, that you can handle business. But I think that it takes a really um, good person that can play on a team and sometimes let other people shine and help other people. And people see that too. So it's like, if you're good, if you're really good, you won't go unnoticed. Like you won't go unnoticed and you don't have to take all the credit for everything, you know? Um, but people who, uh, can help their teammates, um, really prove to be leaders. So my work environment is all teamwork oriented because companies do better when people are playing as a team versus, you know, everybody trying to make individual wins. Every now and then somebody joins the team and they try to do that. And it's like, have a seat. That's not how it works here. Um, because, um, Everybody will shine in their space. So it's like I'm shining as my lead teal in my space within the company. Other people shine. And it's like I can still help out others at any given moment on anything um, because I believe that I'm part of the team. Um, I don't have to get all the credit for everything, unfortunately, because how this is set up, I typically get the most credit. Um, but I try to give credit where credit is due and or provide an environment that makes people happy. Um, so you can be, you can always be competitive, uh, by being what you're really good at. You can't be good at every single thing. And if you are, then you probably aren't as good as you think you are. So it's just like, focus on the stuff that you're really good at. And that's what I do. So the stuff that I'm really good at, I really focus on that. And the stuff that I'm not, I hire against that. So all the people that I hire are people that do things that I don't do very well. So they're going to shine anyway, because they can do something better than me. But we all are working together as a team, which makes, you know, as long as the, the big picture, as long as the company's popping, we are all popping because who cares if you're the best graphic designer of a company that is not popping, you know, who cares if you're the so market person of a company that's not popping so the greater goal has to be that we all make sure to make sure that uh, that we all work to make sure that the brand is big and strong so that when we say we do this at this company we can brag and pop our collar because people know the company's popping so whatever we're doing there must be working make sense okay next question my hi, my lead. You know the term women supporting women. I wanted to ask you, what does that term mean to you? Like, what is your interpretation of that term? Thanks for all you do. Sign Minty from afar. Um, I've heard. I think on social media, the whole women supporting women thing has become a whole movement, and um, I I enjoy it. I think that um, for a long time, especially I think amongst women, I don't know what happens. Uh, I think with women of color, I don't know what happens in other uh, nationalities and all that. I think that for a long time, um, uh, it's been some somewhat catty. You know, it's been somewhat catty and somewhat unnecessarily messy. Um, and I think that it's been such a beautiful thing to watch women understand that a win for one is a win for all, you know? So it's like, 
if I win doing what I'm doing, I've just busted open some doors for you. And I shared this in my last podcast and I'll share it again. If you haven't read Shonda Rhimes's Year of Yes, I recommend you to read it this holiday or wherever you are. It is a super easy light read. You could read it on like a two hour flight or maybe a three hour flight. Um, maybe I'm lying. Maybe you need a four hour flight, but, um, it's a super easy, fun, delightful read. And what I just appreciate about what Shonda Rhimes says is that she doesn't, she doesn't feel like she's busted through any doors. If you will, the doors were already kind of busted through her by the women before her. And I just think that it's very important to to support other women because they are breaking down these barriers so that when you step out, um, somebody has already kind of done the legwork for you. So it's like a woman CEO is not surprising. A woman, you know, who owns a mechanic shop is not surprising because there are all these other women who are sort of doing these things. And so, um, go ahead and support other women. Um, it is very important. Um, and, I think it's in Madeline Albright that says, you know, a woman who doesn't support another woman should burn in hell. I think that's who said it. Um, but it's just like we have to support each other and not be jealous and not be catty and not be whatever else uh, you were doing or you want to think about doing. Call it a day. Um, final question. Hi, my leak. I have outgrown my current city, Charlotte. I've been unemployed since February and I've depleted my savings. I'm ready to say goodbye to Charlotte, but I'm feeling stuck given my financial situation. You are stuck because you don't have any money. So, um, I think that if you're ready to move on, uh, you're going to have to find a job or find a situation that allows you to save enough money to move. Like that is what you have to do. I think sometimes people write me thinking I'm going to have some sort of like magic answer. And it's like, there's no magic answer. Like you have to work to get out of the town, out of town. So maybe you move back home. Maybe you get a roommate that allows you to save, you know, half of your paycheck every month. And once you get, you know, however many dollars, you know, I think 10,000, five to 10,000, um, can be enough depending on how you, you know, how you move, you move from one roommate situation to another roommate situation. You get a job that allows you, you get a retail job that allows you to transfer, um, doing the work that allows you to get out of town. So you got to kind of come up with a plan. Maybe it's going to school, you know, getting into college or getting into a program somewhere else that helps you find housing in another place. You just got to put your plan together to take out, to take off from your city. So, um, doesn't mean you can't do it. Just means it's going to be a little bit of work. Anywho, guys, that is it for me. Almost 45 minutes of um, chitty chatting with you. As always, you can find me on mytaughtyou.com. I am at myleek, M-Y-L-E-I-K, everywhere on um, social media. Love Snapchat. Um, let me know how you are enjoying your journals. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to ask. You guys have a great rest of the year.